Hello, Barry Winbolt here. Welcome to my podcast and thanks for taking the time to seek me out. This is the second and final part of the concise audio version of my book on difficult people. Other people's difficult behaviour can affect us in all sorts of ways. If we're fortunate, it will simply irritate us. But when it becomes regular or extreme, it can cause more serious problems. This episode uses studio role plays to demonstrate how you can achieve more productive outcomes in a whole range of your relationships. You'll learn surefire tactics to help you successfully settle those difficult interactions at work or at home that just won't resolve themselves. And by the way, when I say relationships, I mean social interactions generally. It doesn't have to be somebody you know and love, for example. Simply, whenever you meet another person and you come up against difficulties of some sort, this episode and the previous one, which I put out last week, will empower you in all sorts of ways. And don't take my word for it. This is what the feedback has been saying to me for almost 20 years since I wrote the book. In this episode, you'll also be given the opportunity to understand how to prepare yourself so that you can be more confident when faced with one of those challenging relationship issues we all have to deal with from time to time. One of the most common types of troublemakers that come under the difficult people heading are what I call the critic or complainers. They're the people who constantly find fault with everything. Excuse me, I'd like to know what's going on, please. I'm sorry? Uh, I don't quite understand. I have already been here almost an hour, and I've seen several people who arrived after me call for their appointments. Parking round here is terrible, and you haven't even got a coffee machine. Oh, and there's not a magazine or a newspaper to be seen. An hour? That wouldn't surprise me. Just sit and wait, and you'll be called as soon as someone's free to see you. Sit and wait? I have been waiting for an hour. And it was the same last week. There doesn't seem to be any action around here. Look, we are very busy. As you can see, you are not the only member of the public here. We have to consider everyone. I know I'm not the only person here. And that's all the more reason for you to remember that we are the customers. The people who pay your wages. I've a good mind to cancel my business here and go somewhere else. Well, that's your choice, of course. It's a free world. What? Oh, right. We'll see about that. The first thing to know about a complainer is how to greet them. Remember the assume technique. Whatever the complaint, when they've come in to present it, they've already built up a pretty good head of steam. What generally happens is that we sense that that steam is about to blow and we react accordingly by trying to play it down or deny or ignore their complaint. So the first thing to do is to greet them cordially. Open up, look friendly and smile. That way you start out on a positive note which helps you as much as it throws them slightly off their beat. Secondly, and paradoxically, the best thing to do is to accept their complaint. Listen to it carefully, feeding back the complaint, letting them know that you understand it. Don't apologise and don't accept responsibility, unless of course it really is down to you. Simply acknowledge it, 
and check that you've understood it correctly, sticking to the relevant facts only. Remember to use when, where, why, how questions. Keep it brief and to the point. The one thing that complainers and critics really want to feel is that there's a sense of movement, that something is going to be done about their complaint. They may get personal. They may start attacking in a personal sort of way, but handled correctly, they can be headed off. So how do we deal with a critic complainer? First, we need to separate the behavior from the person. Actively listen to the problem and check back with them that you have understood. Although I said don't apologize, there is an appropriate time to offer an expression of regret for the inconvenience they're suffering. Tell them that you sympathize. Tell them that in their position you'd probably feel the same. This is a technique known as fogging. Ask them what their preferred outcome would be and get a factual answer that you can act on. Very often, we might be surprised that they simply want to feel acknowledged. Tell them what you're going to do about it and then do it. Thank them for bringing it to your attention. Complainers are often teetering on the brink of blowing up out of control. So whenever possible, deal with them promptly. Keep them waiting and the person you'll have to deal with will be twice as difficult. Excuse me, I'd like to know what's going on, please. Good morning. How can I help? I have already been here almost an hour and I've seen several people who arrived after me call for their appointment. Parking around here is terrible and you haven't even got a coffee machine and there's not a magazine or a newspaper to be seen. I see. Almost an hour. I'll look into it right away. What's your name, please? My name? What good's that going to do? I'll still have spent an hour wasting my time. Oh, I sympathise. That would really irritate me too. I'll go and find out what's happening for you. Let me check that I've got the details right. Our car park was full, so you had trouble parking. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you had to wait an hour. And during that time, some people who arrived after you have in fact been served ahead of you. Yes. Thanks for the suggestion about coffee and the newspapers, by the way. I'll pass it on to our customer service department. About the parking. Is your car okay for now? I'm pretty sure I can sort this out for you if you give me five minutes. I'll be okay for a little longer. Just tell me something is being done. Take a seat and give me a few minutes to see what I can do to put an end to your waiting. Thank you. Three things you must never do with a complainer are... Don't try and score points by correcting them. Never make personal comments about them, even if they get quite personal in their attack on you. And when you've promised to do something, don't fail to do it. A difficult person we don't often hear about is the silent type. These unresponsive people can give the impression that they're really very intelligent or that they're just plain stupid. Either way, their silence enables them to have a measure of control, so they think. And it works for a time because their silence can give the impression that they know something and they're biding their time or that they're mulling over what has been said or that they quite simply are above the sordid reality of day-to-day -day life. 
If they do respond, it will be a minimal and usually non-committal yes, no, I suppose, or worse, a shrug of the shoulders. That seems to be pretty much the limit of their responses. Trying to have a conversation with them or get information from these people can be virtually impossible. Getting anything more from them takes special skill. Hi there. Thanks for coming to see me. There were a couple of matters I wanted to chat with you about. It seems there have been some problems on your ward recently. Is that true? I understand that you arrive late every day and behave as if you're not there half the time. When you are there, you seem to spend all your time making personal phone calls. Not only that, but you look as if you spent the night on a park bench. Hardly the sort of image we want to present to the patients now, is it? It's not good enough. If you have problems coping, then you come and see me immediately and we'll see what we can do about it. Do you understand? Yes. So can you tell me what the problem is? Are things going to improve in the future? No. Okay then. I look forward to seeing you in on time tomorrow and looking less untidy, right? Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Shall I go now? If there's nothing else, see you tomorrow. Most of us are so uncomfortable with the idea of a few seconds silence that we play perfectly into the strategy of the silent type. We'll answer their questions for them or we'll continue speaking to fill up the gap. So the first thing to learn to do with the silent type is to be comfortable with the silence. Don't make conversation for them. Try building rapport with small talk or the odd question to put them at their ease. Ask open-ended questions, maintain open and expectant body language and wait for the reply. If no reply is forthcoming, question their lack of response. Tell them what you expect and make simple demands rather than long, convoluted and detailed explanations. Avoid putting them under too much pressure. Give them time to think about it. Fix a time and a date for a next meeting and tell them what you'll expect at that meeting. It might be an idea to write down what you expect, keeping to a few detailed points. Hi there. Thanks for coming to see me. There were a couple of matters I wanted to chat with you about. Can I get you a cup of something? Tea? Coffee? Mm, I don't know. You moved here recently, didn't you? What do you like about the area? Well, my wife says the kids like the school. And I like the sports facilities. Hmm. How are you finding work? It's just that I've noticed that you often arrive late and, well, you just look a bit stressed. Is there anything I can do to help? I know that some disruption is inevitable when people move house. Is that causing any problems? 
Sam, I ask you a question. Things have been pretty stressful at home lately. I've been finding it a bit of a conflict sometimes. Anything else? No, that's it really. Perhaps I can help. You know we allow employees three days off after moving house. Would it be useful to you to take that offer up? Could be. Well, think about it and come back and see me at two tomorrow. We want you to be comfortable here and in our kind of work there is no room for outside distractions. Are there any other points we should cover while you're here? I guess not. If anything else occurs to you, write it down so we can deal with it tomorrow. I look forward to seeing you then, and talking some more. So what are the three don'ts of working with the silent type? Well, don't fill in the gaps. If they stop speaking, wait. Learn to be comfortable with the silence. Don't talk too much or cut them off. When they do start speaking, remember it's like starting a car on a cold morning. Let it run for a few minutes. And don't let the meeting stumble to a close. Finish it yourself in a neat and tidy way with a brief list of your demands. One of the toughest types of difficult people to deal with is the one I call the congenial. They don't sound very difficult, but they're just so cooperative and they need so much to be liked that they'll do anything rather than say no, which means that it can be difficult, if not impossible, to get their true opinion from them. They're great allies at the start, and they make you feel they're on your side, and that you're right. But when you really need them, they don't show up. In private, they'll give you the impression that they're right with you. But in a meeting, if you can get them along to it, they'll be right there with everyone else in the group. Getting a decision out of a congenial can be difficult. And when you do, there's no guarantee they'll stick to it. But there are ways of working with them. So... What did you think of the plans I drew up for our stand at the conference? Have you had time to look at them yet? Yes, I think they were lovely, great. The right-angle design is really clever. It's one of the best I've ever seen. A lot of work has gone into them. Not just me, but the rest of the team as well. I can see that. Everyone has done really well. But particularly you, to get them in on time. And so well presented. So, will it be accepted? Or do I need to do some more to it? Well, it's not quite so simple as that. Oh, I thought it was to be your decision. That's so, but things are never quite so straightforward as they seem. Look, Jenny, if there's something you don't like about my plans, well, why don't you just come right out and say so? Of course, there's nothing wrong. It's just not the right moment to decide, that's all. When will it be the right moment? We've only got six weeks until the conference. I'll have everything decided soon. And don't you worry, do you hear? You've done a brilliant job. Now, how can you deal with that behaviour? Well, congenials have a great need to be liked and accepted. They know the best way to make themselves popular with you is to show that they like you. 
So similarly, you need to be reassuring, to make sincere and personal comments about them. Listen carefully and help them express their needs. Build bridges by offering them reasons they might like to refuse help. And this is the key strategy with this type of behaviour. You see, for people who don't know how to say no, we have to make it possible for them to. For example, you might like to lead them by voicing your own qualms along the lines of, well, I was in this situation once and I can remember I had a real problem making up my mind. It seemed to me there were two sides to the question, and so on and so forth. When making arrangements with them, be precise about the when, the where, and the how for both of you. When will it happen? When will they bring the reply back that you need? How will you both know that you've reached agreement? The solution-focused type of question. Be generally supportive, but only of the positive behaviour, and let them know in a straight and direct way when they have let you down. So... What do you think of the plans I drew up for our stand at the conference? Have you had time to look at them yet? Yes, I think they were lovely, great. The right-angle design is really clever. It's one of the best I've seen. Well, a lot of work has gone into them. Not just me, but the rest of the team as well. I could see that. Everyone has done really well, but particularly you to get them in on time and so well presented. So, will it be accepted or do I need to do some more drawing? Well... It's not quite so simple as that. Oh, I thought it was to be your decision. That's so, but things are never quite so straightforward as they seem. I need a little more time. Yes, I suppose such an important decision needs to be carefully weighed up. Uh, you know, we've all been so engrossed in this project, it's possible we might have missed something. Do you think there are any little details that uh, could have been... Better thought out. Every plan has its pros and cons, after all. Well, now that you've mentioned it, although I really like the overall design, I did think that the logo could have featured a little more. Well, that's a good point. Well spotted. What about the colour scheme? I wondered about that myself. Well, yes. It was the same blue last year, wasn't it? I thought we agreed to change it this year. Oh, I didn't know about that. Well, you've been a great helper. We'll rework it and show you some options. It won't take long. If I get it to you by Friday, when could you let us have an answer? Well, if both these points are covered, I can let you know by Monday? Okay, thanks. Just as with the other types of difficult behaviour, when dealing with the congenials, there are three don'ts. Don't go for a direct commitment. It'll make them feel uncomfortable. It'll be too hasty. Don't just accept their promises. Find out when and how they're going to be able to keep their word. And thirdly, don't disappear when they need you. That is, when you've said that you'll be there. category of difficult person is the one I call the expert. They always seem to have a fully formed opinion on everything. What's all that stuff in the hall? We're going to start decorating the sitting room this weekend. I've got the wallpaper. We already have the paint and all the other stuff we need. 
breeze. That's the first I've heard about it. We haven't even discussed colour or anything. Oh, Virginia, you know we did the other evening. We already have the paint for the woodwork, and the paper I got is the perfect combination. It will look great. I just don't get it. Why the rush? Can't we take a little more time to agree on things? What's to agree? It's obvious that the paper I chose was the best for the job. It'll go perfectly with the paint, and yet it is original and bold enough that we won't get bored with it in six months. The paper you've got would look okay in a railway waiting room, but not in our sitting room. That pattern is hideous, and I thought we had decided on something in blue to go with the paint. You've got pink! Look, I haven't got time to explain it to you. You know I have a strong sense of colour. Trust me, it will look great when it's finished. I could never live with a combination like that, except maybe in a toilet or a garden shed, where I wouldn't have to spend all my spare time looking at it. Either the paper goes, or I do. Experts seem to have an air of superiority and just can't see why other people are wasting their time. Frequently, they do know what they're talking about, and they've already arrived at their decision, and they know the right way to go about doing something. What they lack is the skill of discussing a topic to arrive at a consensus. And if their lofty attitude doesn't persuade others to do it their way, they're inclined to withdraw to their ivory tower. Experts are very often good at their jobs and they're driven to do their homework and to prepare well. So they're well informed. They can be useful people to have on your side, but frustrating if you want to have an equal input. The trouble is they will make snap decisions, often without bothering to check all the information. For those around them, this can be worrying because in their haste, and despite their knowledge and expertise, they do make mistakes. Needless to say, they're not renowned for owning up to their errors or learning from them, and they'll usually blame something or somebody else. In order to deal with an expert, the first thing you need to do is to know how to do your homework. Be sure of your grounds. Listen actively. Paraphrase their points back to them. Then I use a technique that I call the Columbo. Remember the famous American police series where Detective Columbo asked the suspect to take him through the action in painful graphic detail? Well, this is what we need to do with an expert. We need to show them the error of their ways but using their logic. Use their own explanations to predict likely outcomes make relevant and factual statements, and stick to the point. What's all that stuff in the hall? We're going to start decorating the sitting room this weekend. I've got the wallpaper. We already have the paint and all the other stuff we need. Breeze? That's the first I've heard about it. We haven't even discussed colour or anything. Oh, Georgina, you know we did the other evening. We already have the paint for the woodwork, and the paper I got is the perfect combination. It will look great. Yes, we did discuss it. I just didn't expect you to go ahead so quickly. Can you take me through it again? Let's start by putting the paint and the wallpaper side by side, like that, yeah. Now, I know the paper is for the walls, obviously. And the paint? Well, the doors and the skirtings, of course. And seeing them together like this, is it as you expected? Ah, the lighting in the DIY shop must have been right off. Oh, 
You know, I thought the paint would bring out the blue flowers in the wallpaper. They never get it right in these big stores. Well, we haven't opened it yet, so you can still change it. Tell you what, I'll come with you. Yeah, but we can take the paint with us. But, but That'll overcome the lighting problem. Oh. There are, of course, three don'ts when it comes to dealing with experts. First is, don't argue over the details. They probably know more than you do, and if they don't, they'll become even more dogmatic and difficult. Don't ask them open-ended questions. Keep them to the facts. Ask them questions with a yes or a no answer. And don't take the easy option. They often rely on that. Force them to check through the details with you. It's often been said that if there are over 50 million people in the United Kingdom, then there are over 50 million ways of being difficult. With the infinite variety of possible combinations of difficult behaviour that there are, you may well come up against people who don't fit neatly into one of these eight categories. Perhaps they mix two or three behaviours, and it makes them difficult to identify exactly. If this happens, remember to stand back and look for patterns in the behaviour. Use the assume technique I spoke about earlier, rather than getting emotionally caught up in the details. Think through the assume plan and formulate your strategy. Then tackle that behaviour competently. I've included so many active suggestions for improving outcomes, and they've been shown to work in getting round those types of people I've described. And I'm sure that you'll have spotted other ways of adding some of your own skills to the repertoire to use in some specific situations. Use the information on this tape. Remember to practice it before you have to confront that difficult behaviour and you'll start to find that you can turn difficult situations into manageable ones. Keep in mind that what we want out of these approaches is not to get the other person to change. We just want to move things forward despite their obstructiveness. The best thing is, the cause of the problem, the difficult person, won't even realise that their difficult behaviour has been successfully handled. Thanks for joining me this week. It would be great if you could tune in for my next episode. You can download the Podbean app or subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher or via RSS. You'll never miss a show that way. You can also visit my website at www.barrywinbolt.com where you'll find stacks of free stuff including more info on today's topic, free downloads, videos and more. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, please help me spread the word by telling others about it. Remember, I always want to know what you found useful. So would you leave a comment or if there's another topic you'd like to see covered, just send me a message via my website and I'll answer it in my next podcast. So that's all for me now. Barry Winbolt signing off saying thanks and goodbye.